Amen. All right. Well, thank you, uh, worship team. Grab your Bibles, if you will. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, let me just say a word of encouragement about the survey. We really do want you to fill this out, and uh, that'll just be helpful to us to kind of get a... We just want to get a pulse for what you're thinking and what's going on. Uh, you you will notice verse uh, question 7 talks about what do you like least. I had a guy come up to me a while ago and said, hey, if my name's on the bottom, just tear it off and throw it away. And I thought, well, what do I say if my name is on the bottom? I, I guess I just get to live with it. But we want you to fill that out. We think it'll be helpful because uh, we want to know uh, what's what you're thinking and what's going on. We're going to look at a, a great passage of Scripture, continue to look at a great passage of Scripture this morning. But as I thought about the message... I couldn't help but think about, have you ever thought about how we, how we spend our life? Have you ever kind of taken that 50,000 foot view? You know, when you're way away and you look at it, not in terms of what do we do this week, uh, obviously not a daily schedule, not even a monthly schedule, not even a yearly schedule, but how does one spend their whole life? And as I thought about that, I bumped into an article online by a guy named Jake Hepner in, uh, he, uh, he identified some, some some surprising facts, uh, 30 ways that we actually spend our life. And it's written about Americans in America in 2014. The average life expectancy, think about this, the average life expectancy in 2014 was 78.6 years. So chances are we're going to be around, you know, if you're average or if I'm average, we're going to be around uh, for, for a while. So how do we spend those how do you spend those 78 years? Well, first of all, uh, you spend about 25 years sleeping. Now, some of you would argue that that's a waste of time, but, but we need that. So you spend about, about 25 years sleeping. Um, I, I think days like today, you, you want to add a little to that. I, I noticed early on this morning, we, we were a pretty sleepy looking group. I don't know if it was because it was so foggy this morning or, or I, I don't know what y'all did last night. I, I told Wyatt, I said, man, I'm, I'm kind of in a good mood today. I said, I kind of feel bad because everybody's just tired. I, I brought my, my nine-year-old with me and, and she woke up early and she likes to come with dad at eight o'clock. And, and when I got out of the shower and got ready, I come in the living room and she says, Dad, can I sleep on the way? And I said, why don't you just stay home? She says, no, I'm dressed. I'm going to go. And so she, so, and then I got here and, and, and hey, there's some others that, that are kind of sleeping. So we'd like to add to that 25 years. Okay, the second area, uh, if you live to be 78, the average worker works 10.3 years. So, uh, so that's, you know, not bad, but that's based on 40 hours a week for, from 20 to 65 or kind of whatever. So some of you work more than that. Uh, some of you work less than that. So it all averages out. Uh, ladies, don't hate on me, but the average woman spends 17 years on a diet. I'm just, I, I'm just delivering the mail. I didn't make this stuff up. I'm just telling you what, what, what the guy said. So 17 years. Uh, you, you, you watch TV for 9.1 years, which means you spend at least two years watching commercials. TiVo, you know what I'm saying? Okay, you gotta DVR this stuff, okay, and, and skip the commercials. Uh, I, I, this is very risky. This is a great risk, but since it's not football season, I'm gonna take the risk. Uh, in an average three hour football game, let me tell you what happens. If you watch a three hour football game, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna watch 62 minutes of commercials. 
You're going to watch 67 minutes of players standing around, huddling up, gathering around. You're going to watch 35 minutes of shots of the coach or the crowd or maybe the cheerleaders. Uh, you're going to watch 11 minutes of game action. 15 minutes of replays. So 26 minutes of action in a three-hour football game. Now, the reason I take that risk, because my wife's in here. Football season is six months away, and I'm just hoping that that, that is all forgotten information. But I just want you to know that's how we, that's part of the way that we, we spend our time. Uh, you, the average person spends 1.1 years cleaning. Historically, that means women clean about twice that much, and us guys just fill in a little bit here and there. Two and a half years cooking, uh, about three and two-thirds years eating. You spend about 67 minutes a day eating. You drive a car for 4.3 years. Uh, three months of your life, 38 hours a year that you spend sitting in traffic, just sitting. You spend a year. My girls want to know how about the bathroom. You spend a year and a half in the bathroom. We won't go into detail, but just so you'll know. Uh, set, the average American, 70% of your waking hours is in front of some type of digital media. You're either uh, watching TV you're listening to the radio, you're on a smartphone, you're on a computer on the Internet, you devote something or, or, or whatever, you're doing games. But the average person spends 70% of their time, their waking hours in front of digital media. And so uh, about five hours of TV, two and a half, two and 45, uh, over an hour on the phone and over an hour on the Internet. And so uh, you walk about 110,000 miles. In your average life. That's four times around the earth, roughly. And if you're one of them joggers, then you probably do even, even more than that. So, uh, you drink, you drink 12,000 cups of coffee. That's 1.6 a day. Well, some of you don't drink any. I, I drink about a pot. I drink about 1.6 pots a day. I, I already had, I already had four today at least so far. Big cups, all right? So so just kind of that gives you an idea of what we do. Let me just tell you a couple more things. Women spend nearly one year deciding what to wear. Now, guys, before you laugh, according to the Telegraph in, in England, men spend about one year staring at women. So here, I got to, I, I figured this thing out. The reason she spends so, you know, the reason a woman spends a year picking out what they wear, because they know men are going to spend a year looking at what they wear, all right? Uh, and then last of all, this is, uh, I'll end on this one. Uh, women spend eight years of their life shopping. Eight years. They don't, don't say anything about how much money. <laughs> it just talks about how much time. And so, and so that kind of gives us a little bit of insight. I'm not sure how accurate, but I think it's probably pretty accurate. But you know what it didn't mention? You know what he didn't talk about? He didn't talk about how much time we spend waiting. Have you ever thought about that? Did you know the average person in America, according to one study, spends 62 minutes a day waiting? I mean, think about this. Sleeping, you sleep. Eating, you eat. Shopping, you shop. But waiting, is wait. And, and we get frustrated by waiting. We hate to wait in line. I, one article said that that each year Americans spend 38 billion hours waiting in line. 
Just in line at the drive-thru, at the grocery checkout. I mean, just you fill in the blank. That's incredible. I, one computer scientist did some research, and what he discovered is that when, when someone gets on the Internet and they're wanting to look at a video, they give it two seconds. And if it's not playing in two seconds, they get worked up. In five seconds, one-fourth of them give up. In ten seconds, in ten seconds... Half the people that are trying to watch a video online give up and, and say, ah, forget it. I'm done with that. So, so here's what I'm saying. We don't like to wait. We loathe it. We avoid it. Uh, you know, we, we do everything. I mean, we write country songs about it. I mean, anybody remember the song a few years ago? I think it was Brad Paisley, Waiting on a Woman. Anybody, anybody remember that? I, I'll just help you. Here's the first verse. Sitting on a bench at Westtown Mall. He sat down in his overalls and he asked me, you waiting on a woman? I nodded, yeah, and said, how about you? He said, son, since 1952, I've been waiting on a woman. I don't know who you're waiting on, but we're, but everybody's waiting on something. And everybody's waiting on someone. And, and listen, to be honest, none of us really like to wait. We don't like to wait. I remember uh, reading about a, a wife one time that told her husband, says, listen, you get the kids ready. I'll go sit in the car and, and honk the horn. I, I'm happy doing that. Right? But, but we, we hate to wait. And yet, did you know the Bible says over and over and over to wait on the Lord? We're to wait on the Lord. Uh, we're, to, we're to wait on His coming. And we're not going to get into that, but we, you, you and I should be expecting His coming. We should wait on His, wait on Him for courage. We should wait on His kingdom. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should wait on God's provision. We should wait for God's peace. We, he tells us to wait for His direction. I mean, over and over and over, the Bible says that we are to wait on the Lord. And yet, few of us, if any, want to do that. And yet, the Father of the faith, Abraham, who is commended, uh, who's recognized Old Testament and New as being a man of faith. He was commended for his faith. But you know what Abraham had to do? He had to wait. He had to wait a lot. And so we're going to look at that this morning and hopefully identify some things that are going to help you and me in our spiritual journey. When God says, he doesn't say no, he doesn't say yeah, he just says wait. And so look down in your Bibles, Hebrews 11, let's begin in verse 8, and we're going to read down through verse 12. The Word of the Lord says, verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Shall we pray together? Father, as we take the next few minutes and as we open up this passage, this text, Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to understand and to, to see the value of learning to wait on the Lord. Now, God, I know in an auditorium this size, there are 
there are some folks that, that have some things going on. Uh, they don't know what their next step is. They're waiting for your direction. They don't know about a relationship they're in or, or a relationship they want to have, and they're waiting for a word from you. Uh, they don't know what's going to happen in, in a given area of their life, and they're waiting. And, Father, I pray this morning what you would do out of your word is you'd give us some principles and you'd teach us how to learn to wait on the Lord. And, God, I pray that you'd help us to do that. So, Father, would you have your will and your way in every heart this morning and every life? And, God, I pray for those who, who just don't know what's next, that they'll look to you and they'll listen to you and they will wait on you and they will trust you to act. And so God, teach us this morning as my prayer. Bring to mind all the words you want me to say. Help me to forget everything that's not relevant to us and we'll give you the glory for all you do. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what does it mean to wait on God? I got down in my notes. It means to depend on God when you can't see uh, what is happening. Now, somebody defined faith this way. It may have been Warren Wiersbe, but he said, faith is believing that God will keep his promise despite circumstances that seem to be contrary uh, to that. And so waiting in faith means believing that he will keep his promises even if you can't figure out when, even if you can't figure out where, even if you can't figure out how God's going to do something, waiting in faith means you believe he's going to do it. Regardless. Now, Abraham was the father of our faith. And he was called great for a number of reasons. He was called great, number one, because he was, he was the friend of God. I mean, think about this. The Bible says that Abraham, the friend of God, the God of the universe, the uncreated one that spoke all we know and have ever experienced into existence, was friends with Abraham. And so he was a friend of God, and, and that made him great. But I believe he was great for another reason, and that is what uh, Paul talks about in Romans 4, uh, what he's commended for in Galatians and in other places. Uh, Abraham was great because he was justified by faith. He took God at his word. And God told him some things. In fact, God told him some major Things. If we were to look over in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, we, we won't go there. But let me just tell you what God said to him. First of all, God said, listen, Abram, I want you to get up and move. I'm going to give you a land for you to inherit. I'm going to give you this great inheritance. So I want you to get up and go. And then he says, not only that, uh, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And then he said, besides that, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be great. And he says, and besides that, all of posterity, all of human history, Abraham is going to be blessed by you. And so God makes him this promise, and then God goes away. And, and all Abraham's got is a promise, and he's got a relationship because he took God at his word. But after that happened in Genesis 12, men... Sure, Abraham got up and went, but man, none of that stuff really happened, at least not for a long time. And so what we're going to do this morning is, is we're going to look at how, how, do, how do we deal with life? How do you deal with life when you know God's made some promises, when you know God's got a direction for you, but how do you deal with it when, when God says to do something and yet you don't, you don't know what's next? And so what we're going to look at in the life of Abraham is three instances when you've got to wait in faith, even though nothing may be happening. Let me tell you what those three are. First of all, uh, Abraham 
Abraham waited in faith when he didn't know where he was going. Now, God said, I'm going to give you this inheritance. God said, I'm going to give you the land. God says, pack the U-Haul, pack up your wife, pack up your, your nephew and your servants, get your cattle ready, your sheep ready, get all your stuff ready. I'm going to send you somewhere, and you just get on the road and start going. And Abe is like, God, where? And God says, well, you don't worry about where. You just worry about getting ready. And going. And so, so what we've got to do is we've got to learn how to, to wait in faith. And you know what happened? You know how he waited in faith? He waited in faith. Now get this. By walking in obedience. And so here's what you need to understand and what I need to understand. Sometimes waiting means we need to be walking in obedience. Now don't just start walking. But you walk in obedience when God speaks. That's what Abraham did. He walked in obedience when God told him, uh, you know, to get up uh, and to go. Uh, look down in your Bibles there at verse 8. Notice how he says it. He says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. By the way, can I just say this? He wound up in Canaan, and he spent uh, nearly a 100 years in Canaan. Living in that land. But did you know that Stephen said he never got a foot of ground of his inheritance? Now he did buy a, uh, he did buy a piece of ground with a cave to bury his wife. But he never got his inheritance. Do you know that's why he lived in a tent? How many of you like to camp? Anybody like, how, how many of you like to tent camp? There's like four of us, okay? Tent camping. My wife even likes tent. C- could you imagine spending 80, 90 years camping? I mean, hey, they didn't have this, the luxuries we have. I mean, they, they didn't put the gas in the bottle and just turn the stove on. And they didn't have a Yeti cooler. You go stay out there for a week and everything's good, right? I mean, they, that's what they did. So he's waiting on God. He's obeying God. He's walking with God. But, but he's, he's promised an inheritance that he never really gets to experience. And yet he moves on in faith. Now, why do I say all that? Here's why. Because when you don't know where you're going, when you don't know what's next, you've got to be willing to wait. But while you wait, you've got to walk in obedience. Think about this. If you're looking for a job, and maybe, maybe you're in a job transition, or maybe you're, you're getting your first job, and you're thinking, uh, you know, are you just looking for a better job? Uh, active faith, walking in obedience means not only you're praying, you're asking God to give you a job, but you're not sitting at home going, God, I hope Dell Computers calls me tomorrow because I really would like to work for them. What are you, what should, what are you doing? Or at least what should you be doing? Man, you should be out there beating the bushes. You should be out there passing out resumes. You should be checking the one ads. Yeah, you're waiting on God to provide, but you're walking and you're working in obedience. And, and that's what we've got to be willing to do. And that's what, listen, that's what Abraham did. I call it active waiting. See, sometimes God is waiting for you to step out in obedience. In fact, there are times when God's going to promise you something and God's going to promise me something, but he will not deliver until we step out in faith. You know what a great example of that is? 
In the, in the book of Joshua, you remember this story, many of you from Sunday school. Uh, Israel gets up, gets ready to go into the promised land. They're about to cross the Jordan River. And God says to Joshua, hey, Josh, pick out 12 guys. When they go to the river, as soon as they put their foot in the water, the water's going to wall up and stop and they're going to walk across on dry land. So God tells Joshua that. So he, he assembles the people and, and they get over to the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River is not, it's not a big river. I've not been there, but it's not a big river. We tend to think, man, it'd be kind of like crossing the Blanco in August, you know, when there's, is that deep? No, no. The scripture says, write this in your margin. In Joshua 3.16, the scripture says they get up to the river and it's the harvest season. And so the river's flooded out of its banks. Now imagine with you, this is hard to imagine, but imagine there's two million or so people that have got to get across this river. Because there's 600,000 men, uh, 20 to like 60, plus their wives, plus their kids. And, you know, back then they had a lot of kids because when you read about it, I mean, they had other sons. And, you know, they had named this. They had a, so, men that, so just imagine there's two to three million people. They come up to the river. The, I mean, it's in flood stage. And, and if you or I walked up there, we're thinking, God, what are you going to do here? God, if you'll, if you'll show us a way, we'll go. But God said, no, no. What I want you to do is I want you to step in the water. And if you'll step in the water, then I'll stop it and I'll show you the way. And so they were at this moment where, where they had to wait in faith, but they had to walk in obedience. And you know the story. When the first guy steps in the water, guess what happened? God walled it up and they went across on dry ground couple million people crossing a flooded river valley because they stepped out in faith. And so understand what we need to understand is that if we're going to be faithful, we got, we got to wait on God. But a lot of times waiting involves obeying. I want to challenge you to wait. And some of you here this morning, you're waiting on an answer because you, you don't know, uh, where God wants you to go. Do I go to college? If I go to college, where do I go? Do I go to work? Do I go in the military? Uh, do I change jobs? I've been, you know, th- things are not really good here. Should, should I change? Does God, there, I got a stirring in my heart. Is God about to call me to a new ministry? Do I go? What, and, and we got all these things going on in our life and you, and you just got to decide, okay, are, how are you going to do that? How are you going to wait on the Lord? And, and here's what I would say is, is while you're waiting, you need to be walking in obedience. Now, God told Abraham, go to another country that I'll show you. God told Joshua, identify 12 guys, step in the water, and I'll stop it. So here's the thing. While you're waiting, you need to do what God tells you. But in order to do what God tells you, you got to hear his voice. That's why we talked about last week how you got to walk with God. You got to spend time with God. So you got to listen to him, but to, to listen to him, you, you got to be in the book. You got to be praying. You got to be watching. You got to be thinking. And so, so what Abraham did is he walked in obedience while he was waiting in faith, even when he didn't know where he was going. But secondly, Abraham waited in faith when he didn't know when. God will fulfill his promise. He didn't know when. Some of you here today and and you're single and you don't want to be single. You want to be married 
Or maybe you've been married and you want to be married again and it, was, it didn't work last time. Or maybe you've never been married and you, you just believe that God's got somebody for you and you don't know when. And some of you here, we go back to that job thing. You just, things are bad where you work and, and you, you just, you got an idea that God's got something better, but you don't know when he's going to move. Or, or you, you're living in a house and you know there's something better, but, but you don't know when he's going to provide. And, and so it's so dangerous because that's what happened to Abraham. God comes to Abraham. He makes him that promise in Genesis 12. And then after, man, 10 years went by. I mean, he goes to Canaan. He camps around Canaan for a bunch of years and the famine comes. So he, so he camps his way down to Egypt. And gets into some trouble down there. We don't have time to go into that, but he he, he lies about his wife. And but I mean, he's you know, so he's camping around. And he comes back, and 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 in spite of his failure, God blesses him, and he has so many cattle and sheep that him and Lot can't really coexist. So they have to separate. And then Lot separates, and then they take him away and kidnap him and all this stuff. So Abraham's got to go get him, and he goes and get him. And on the way back, he meets Melchizedek. We talked about that a couple months ago. And he got all blessed. And, 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 and yet, in spite of all of that, he's discouraged. Because ten years earlier, God said, you're going to get a great name. You're going to get a great nation. Uh, man, all the world's going to be blessed by you. You're going to have more. You know, so in, so in Genesis 15, we find him. I mean, in fact, let's go there. Let's go to Genesis 15. I want you to look real quickly. I mean, he's, he's struggling. I mean, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. It says, fear not, Abram, I'm your shield. Your reward will be very great. And, and he's, he's, here's what he's thinking. God, that's what you said last time. God, you told me that 10 years ago, and man, I've been to Egypt, and man, and, and look what he says, verse 2. He says, but Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him again. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and, it, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Look at verse 6 again. Abram believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. You know what happened next? Do you know what happened next? Fifteen more years of waiting. He had already spent ten God promises again and says, now Abraham, or he was still Abram at that time, Abram, hurry up and wait. Well, well, his wife, she wasn't into waiting. So a few months later, she says, her name's Sarah at that time, by the way. He hadn't changed her name yet either. But he, she goes, she looks around, she kind of looks at him. He's 85. He's getting pretty wrinkled. She looks at herself. She's 75 and we won't even go there, right? So, So she's like, I don't know how God's going to do that. And like most of us, she thought, why don't I help God help us? You ever done that? You, you, we, we, that's human nature. We want to help God help us. So she says, okay, God. So, hey, I'm old. I, I ain't having no baby. And you're getting close. You probably can't have. So I got an idea. How about Hagar? 
my mistress, you know, the Egyptian lady, what if you and her get together and maybe God will give us a son through her? Good plan, right? And of course, Abraham's like, oh, whatever you say, baby, I'll, you know, I'll do it. So they get together. She gives him to him as a wife. It's always, da- listen, it's always dangerous to get ahead of God. Mark that down. It's always dangerous to get ahead of God. And, and so they get ahead of God. And, and you know the story. She gets, uh, Hagar gets pregnant. And when she gets pregnant, she looks at Sarah and starts thinking in her heart, well, why is she so important? I'm the one that's going to have the boy. I'm the one that's going to have the child. And so they really get in a mess. In fact, listen to what happens. Uh, it, it's over in uh, chapter 16, verse 3. Sarah said to, to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and she saw that she had conceived. She looked on me with contempt. And here's what she says. Now, she remember, she gave Hagar to her husband, and it didn't go well. And she says, May the Lord judge between you and me. And I'm thinking, well, you, you told him to do that. Guys, let me just give you some advice. This is free. Okay. Don't ever let another woman get between you and your, your wife. Ever. Even if it's her idea. We watched a TV show a few months ago and, and, and they were, that's what they were thinking about what happened, you know, if something happened to them when they die and they would pick out a spouse for the other one. If your wife wants to pick, if she thinks, well, you know, I'm getting older or, you know, if something ever happens to me, here's what I think. Guys, don't listen. Don't, I mean, don't go there. Okay. Because uh, here's the thing. If, if we get ahead of ourselves, we always get in trouble. There's always danger when we get ahead of ourselves. And so Abraham, he had to, he had to trust God even when he didn't know when. And it was hard. It was painful for him to do that. And, and he got ahead and it cost him. Now some of you, again, some of you, you're waiting for that mate. Some of you are waiting for that opportunity or you're waiting for that job or you're waiting for God to heal you. And, and, and the tendency, see, the human tendency is for you to help God help you. Because the God of the universe doesn't know what's best, right? You do. Don't get ahead of God. Let me say to those of you that are single, you're a teenager, uh, you're a young single adult, uh, you're an older single adult that's not married and getting remarried. Listen, when you get a, when you're in a relationship, the tendency, what our culture says to you is, hey, go get involved physically. Go get involved sexually in this relationship. Don't wait on God. You're nuts if you wait on God. And, and on and on and on. That's what culture is going to tell you. That's what culture is going to teach you. Can I just say this? Don't do it. Wait on God. Trust God. Because here's what I know. From personal experience. Here's what I know from scriptural revelation. If you wait on God, you will get his best. But if you rush out, you'll have to settle for less. If you wait, you'll get his best. If you rush in, you're probably going to settle for less. And so wait. We don't have time to get into, uh, I Ishmael showed up and, and, it was problematic. There was just, you know, a lot of stuff. Why? Because when you get ahead of God, it's dangerous. So, 
wait on the Lord. Walk in obedience while you're waiting, but wait on the Lord. Wait when you don't know where. Wait when you don't know when. And then number three, just real quickly, um, thirdly, Abraham had to wait when he didn't know how. And that's really where this whole issue with Hagar, with Hagar and Sarai came in. She looked around and said, man, there's no way I'm going to have a baby. Man, I'm, I'm 75 years old. I'm past the way of women. I'm, ne- I'm never going to have a baby. And so they didn't know how. And so they got ahead. Some of you, you're in a situation. You, you've got a problem in your marriage. Uh, you, you're trying to figure out what's going on in life. You got an issue at work. And when you look at it, you're like, man, I have no idea how God's going to handle this. Can I just encourage you? Trust Him. Trust Him. Because after they went through their little fiasco, God reminded Him again, I promised. And God came through. And some of you here today, There's something that God's promised you. He said, this is what I'm going to do. He said, this is what I want you to do. And 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 it seems impossible. And you don't don't know how that could possibly work out. You got to trust him. Many of you, one of your favorite verses would be Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, where it says, uh, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and what? He will make straight your pathways. Sometimes you can't see his hand. And sometimes you can't trace where he's going. You just got to decide to trust him. If he's leading you, he will provide for you. In 1981, uh, I wanted to go to Texas. Actually, my mom wanted me to go to Texas A&M. I mean, I kind of wanted to go, but... But I really wanted to go to Freightliner University. I didn't want to go to college. I, I wanted to, I wanted to buy and trade cattle and run a cow hauling business. That's what I wanted to do. But my mom was like, you're going to go to college. So in the latter part of July, about the 20th or so, uh, we drive out to college station. I'd never been on campus. I'd never been to college station. School started the end of the latter part of August. I didn't have anywhere to live. I didn't know anybody. I'd met a professor about a year and a half before that in Kansas City, Missouri at FFA Convention. So I show up on campus, nowhere to live, didn't know anybody, too late to get a dorm. I, I believe God was leading me there. Uh, so, you know, what do you do? So they said, well, you need to go to off-campus housing and try to find a place to live or try to find somebody to live with. So I go to off-campus housing. They give you this box of cards, and you start looking at your interests and their interests, and you just try to find somebody that you might be compatible with. So I search through the little box, and I come up with two names, Greg and Will. I thought, well, these guys, you know, they're kind of similar backgrounds. I, I think that could work out. And so uh, so I leave the camp off-campus housing. I think I may have dropped my mom at the hotel in a park, and I'm walking across campus. I got on this gold FFA polo shirt. Some of you remember those way back when with my little FFA logo. And, and this guy comes up, and, you know, we passed. He goes, hey, are you here for the orientation? I said, yeah. Are you an FFA? And so we begin to talk. And I said, my, my name's Mike. And he says, by the way, my name's Greg. And his name was the name from the card. I thought, what? Coincidental. So we began to have a conversation. I said, well, you know, I don't have anywhere to live. And don't, you know, don't he says, well, well, I've got a roommate. He says, I'm living with a guy named Will. 
the other guy on my card. I thought, I, I thought that was good. And then I thought, oh, man, that ain't going to work out. And he says, Will's dad owns the place. He doesn't really want another roommate. But I would really like someone to share expenses. Are you interested in living with me? And so that night we call Will up and we have a conversation. He said, well, it's, I think it'll work for me. And I went up driving up with us. But, but here's the thing. God led me to go there. And God provided what I needed. Now, now listen. I'm not advocating. If you're going to go a thousand miles to college in August, I'm not saying wait till July to figure out where you're going to live or who you're going to live with. I'm just saying if you, if you trust God and you go where God tells you, God will provide for you. Abraham found that out. Joshua found that out. Untold thousands of people over the centuries have found out if you trust in the Lord and you wait, you will get God's best. But while you're waiting, you've got to be walking in obedience. And then you've got to be watching for God to speak. So you need to be in the Word. You need to be around God's people. And you need to be attentive and paying attention. But if you wait, if you don't get anything else from today, get this. If you wait, you will get God's best for you. If you rush it, you'll wind up settling for less most of the time. And God, listen, God has a best for you. He has a best, a best job, a best spouse, a best ministry, a best future, but you've got to wait. If you wait, he'll come through. Let's pray together. Father, we, we don't like to wait. I hate to wait in line. I hate to sit in traffic. I hate to have very many people in front of me in the drive-thru. Few of us, if any, like to wait. And yet, one of the great necessities of faith is to wait. And God, it's hard. It's difficult. But you've called us to that. Because when we wait, what we're saying is, God, I believe you will do what you say. God, I believe you will provide what you promise to provide. In fact, Father, Paul writes about Abraham in Romans 4, and he says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. God, you promised to give us eternal life. I'm convinced of that. God, you promised if we seek first the kingdom, you'll provide everything we need. God, I know in the auditorium there's some young people that are looking for direction of what to do next. God, there's some singles that are looking for who their mate's going to be. God, there's some folks that are struggling in a marriage and they wonder how are you going to come through. God, there's others who, who, who are trying to figure out what's the next phase of my life. And God, the temptation is to jump ahead, to help you help us. And God, my prayer is that we go, no, I'm going to wait in faith. I'm going to walk in obedience.
hands. And I'm going to watch for God to move. So God, I pray for each person here. God, I pray for each situation here that you would help us to wait. To wait on Walk in obedience. To be doing what you're telling us to do. To be living living in obedience and living a holy and a spiritual life. But to wait. And then to watch for you. And for your best. God, it's hard. I know it's hard. God, I pray that you'd help us to do that. We'll be careful, Lord, to give you the honor and the glory for everything you do. Father, we're going to receive our offering this morning as our ushers come. I pray that you'd take what we bring and use it to tell the story of Jesus, not just here in Wimberley, but but everywhere. Uh, Help us to be faithful to that and uh, to be faithful to give our offerings. Lord, to trust you and to to walk in obedience to you uh, in this matter of giving. And so, God, just help us to honor you in every area of our life. And we'll be careful to give you the glory and to give you the praise. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.